Boo. You think I'm a good girl? Just wait and see. We're bad girls. This is what we do. I'm the girl that's gonna save your life. Eh, you shot pretty well. For a boy. Can't you handle a woman with a big gun? I put the fun in funeral. I like my men covered in blood. Hail to the queen, baby. I can, and I will. I can, and I will. I'll take a bite out of you. Welcome back to part two of the shining. Part two. Part two of shining. The Uh, refill. (laughs) The refill. We've all had them. Um, As always, I'm your mistress of evil, Ella Evella, along with her sister of sin, Ashy Slashy. And concluding our guest for the second day in a row... M. Grimm. So, uh, yesterday we went over kind of the beginnings of The Shining, of, uh, how it felt for them to get there, uh, how the characters are presented, how the hotel is presented. Um, from here on out, we're pretty much going to go until the ballroom scene. And, uh, in the Kubrick movie, it, shit starts off pretty creepy pretty quick. Yeah. The creepy level is immediately, like, there. Um, it, in the miniseries and in the Kubrick one, they mention room. Room 217. Uh, so it's it's obvious that room 217 is a uh, fuckery of fuck fuck. Mm. Um, but in the miniseries, you also get the presidential suite. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a bigger aspect of Jack going down the rabbit hole he eventually goes down is the idea of when they get there uh he's told to stay out of room 217 Mm -hmm. but they do go into the presidential suite where danny does witness uh these two men being shot and chopped Mm -hmm. up yes uh so you're getting that very very early on yeah a uh, big, big, big difference between the Kubrick and the miniseries is Red Rum is shown very early. Mm-hmm. In the Kubrick or the miniseries? In the miniseries. Danny almost immediately sees Red Rum. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Red Rum is less of a Danny-ism and more of a Tony-ism. Right. Whereas we discussed earlier, Tony's a uh, physical force that's trying to warn him. Yeah. So, our very first freaky fact. She's just coming off the fucking cuff with this bullshit. (laughs) Um, King didn't know that murder spelled backwards was actually red rum until he had had typed it. He loves the various connotations of the word. Oh, I love you, King. (laughs) He was just like, oh, murder. Red rum. Red rum. Red rum. Red rum. Red rum. Red rum. Apparently, uh, Red Rum was also the name of a horse. Sure. <laughs> I'd like a horse named Murder. That would be pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> and coming up close is like Murder. murder. <laughs> I'd bet on that horse. And Murder is in first place! And I'd regret it. And I know I'm sad. Um, so, well, I, I think it's a little bit easier to go through Kubrick first, just because Kubrick we're talking about, like, 20 minutes where, like, the miniseries in the book we're discussing an hour and a half are, like, 500 pages. 
Um, so pretty quickly into getting into the hotel in the Kubrick one, Jack starts to go real batty, real fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, but then again, we kind of discussed this in the in yesterday's episode was... He batty already. He batty already. He's already kind of gone. Yeah. So at this point, he's just becoming more batty. More batty. Battier. I don't know, I just keep thinking of the Robin Williams thing from Ferenga. <laughs> My name is Batty. The logic is erratic. <laughs> Sorry. So we'll pray one for, this for a second. Um, but you get the the isolation. Yeah. Um, in the miniseries and in the book, they're much more like a cohesive family unit. Where in the Kubrick version, um, they all kind of splinter. Mm-hmm. Jack just goes into this main room of terror with his ball and his insanely loud typewriter. Oh, God. Uh, Wendy hides in, instead of it being like a hotel, it's like a closet. Yeah. So, like, in the I'm Cooper version... having a little bit of trouble remembering what exactly she does. She doesn't do... It's just shown cooking and very, like, menial cleaning tasks. Yeah. Uh, but also the the room they're shown to have in the Kubrick one oh, it's is a tiny. lot smaller than the one in... It's, it's like a fucking, like, closet. Yeah. yeah. Like, the one... I feel like the one in the miniseries is more or less kind of like a caretaker's apartment. Oh, yeah. They call it the apartment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's... A living room. Yeah, a there's a living room, there's a kitchen, there's um, there's two bedrooms. So it's basically like a little two-bedroom apartment. Well, it's three, because Jack has his office. Oh, that's right, it is three. Yeah. It's an adorable little place, honestly. Yeah. Like, I I'd be fine staying there. Yeah, when I was watching, I was like, I would like that. It's super cute. <laughs> Minus the murder hotel, I'd be fine mm-hmm. with this. Yeah, just take it, take it and separate it. Yeah, just take away the murder, and we're good. That, and one thing I did notice in the miniseries is in that particular spot nothing weird happens except for in danny's room yep yep which isn't actually anything weird happening in his room it's something that's brought into the room exactly but that that spot seems like a safe place well it's the idea danny's protecting it that's true danny can protect what he considers home so uh and then you get danny in the kubrick one who's just left to fuckery of the tricycle nature. Yeah. So many long shots of him going down that endless hallway. And what, and what I think we brought this up last week is, like, in the miniseries, Danny's very aware. Like, when Danny goes into the room... Yesterday. Oh! God. I know what time it is. I'm so used to being here last week. <laughs> it's been a long night. I've had half your drinks. That's last week. <laughs> right? And I've somehow turned German. Um, in the miniseries, like, when Dane does go into room 217 and stuff like this, it's a chosen path. He's curious. He has a reasoning to do stuff. He's also scared, though, and he's like, I'm showing that I'm not afraid. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the Kubrick version, it's it's more just... Oh, a door's open. Do, 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 do. Oh, evil undead twin. Do, 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 do. Um, which makes sense if, like, Kubrick was trying to have him not be aware it was a horror film. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, you, you can't have him be aware. It's a horror film, so you need to kind of have cuts that yeah. work for it. Yeah. I mean, his, his method there, I feel like, both helped and hindered the movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's every Kubrick film. Yes, very much <laughs> It has so. both helped and hindered it. Because mm. he... My beef with Kubrick, and there is a lot of it, there's a whole dinner of beef I have with Kubrick. <laughs> and it is, he gets an idea in his head and he sticks to that idea and the story be damned. Yeah. You know, but... We'll, we'll go into a lot, I think, yeah. in episode three about Kubrick. Yeah. Uh, especially in episode three. Mm-hmm. This dinner has not started. <laughs> no, this is the simple, we, we've had the amuse-bouche, now we're on to, like, the appetizers. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I could have done without the long shots of constant tricycling. Um, I, I think that the issue that I get with that is for as powerful as Danny is, how I said earlier uh, yesterday is he comes off almost spectrum-y. Yeah. It, it's that, uh, oh, I've wandered into this room. Mm-hmm. Um... I've wandered into a dog man blowing another man. That was Wendy, but still. Oh, wait, no, 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 he does. That's right. They both see it. They both see it. Which is... <laughs> the actual story is so much more disturbing. Yeah. And I also feel like that was completely put in there for being like, fine, fucking Stephen King dorks. Here, have your dog man blowing a guy. There is no fucking reason for that scene to be in fucking there. It was only because it's in the fucking book and Stanley Kubrick wanted to, like, flip off everybody who'd read the book and was like, here, here's a scene only you fuckers will get. Enjoy! I don't know, I always felt like Kubrick was more like, ooh, I like that part, I'm gonna put that in there. Because, you know. Yeah. It's Kubrick. It's fucking Kubrick. Maybe I'm giving Kubrick But also, (laughs) can we talk about the, I I know we're skipping, skipping, but can we talk about the Dogman for a second? Yes. In the miniseries or in the Kubrick version? Both. Okay. Dogman in the miniseries. Uh, that mask. Was, that mask is terrifying to me. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Dog, Dogman in uh, Kubrick. Kubrick. It's a little bit more fluffy ear. Yeah, I'm like, like eh? What's this happening? Mascotty. Yeah. It still and then, gave me the ghiblies a little bit. And then uh, Dogman in the miniseries. Look! <laughs> Like, I literally, like, I jumped back the first time I saw him, like, pop oh, up. Oh, when he runs down the hallway and he's like, I'm gonna eat you yeah. up. Yeah. I was just like, no. Nightmare, hashtag Ashley's, Ashley's Nightmare Fuel. Okay, so I'm gonna give you the backstory on the Nightmare. Hmm. On the Dog Man. Okay. Under Nightmare Fuel. Um, so Horace Derwin was the man that owned the hotel. And Horace Derwin was a renowned uh, playboy, philanthropist, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And there was a good friend of his that I cannot remember his name, and I never remember his name, but it's the dog man. Mm -hmm. Um, And the night of the New Year's party, which is the night that is repeated forever, Mm -hmm. um, Horace had his good friend dress up as a dog. And run around him and doing tricks. And later, um, he took Horace up to the room and had him blow him. 
while his girlfriend and him did coke. He had the dog man blow him? Yep. Okay. Horace Derwin, I literally have a note, is by evil. Gotcha. Because I believe uh, one of the other characters you don't see in the um, book or, or in the movie or the miniseries, but it's this, uh, you see her a little bit. She's the one that's like throwing the confetti and everything uh, yes. and goes after Jack and is very flirty with him. Mm-hmm. That's actually Horace's wife. I see. The little redhead? Yeah. Okay. And the idea is uh, Horace's wife actually kills herself in the hotel. Oh. Well, that seems to be a, a, a so it's a risk. A she's, she's the bathtub. No, no, bathtub's a different no. woman. Oh, yeah, bathtub is a different woman. She's uh, described in three different ways. The woman in two uh, seventeen. We'll get to her in a second. Okay, but uh, his wife does also kill herself. But uh, Horace's uh, boy toy uh, falls and dies in the elevator shaft. Hmm. Oh. Uh, like sometime later. But he also, because the whole point is the hotel takes people very slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so that is the history of the dog man was, um, it was this man that was like in love with Horace Derwin to the point where he would dress up as a dog and take orders. Hmm. Um, so, so that's kind of the idea. And I feel like you get that a little bit more in the miniseries where you see how uh, frantic the dog man is. Mm-hmm. Where it's the idea that this person uh, would do anything to please Darwin. Mm-hmm. Daisy agrees. Daisy <laughs> apparently was like, "Yes, that fuck guy." <laughs> Indeed. Um, so that's 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 the Horace Darwin doggy blowjob thing that does clear things up a bit. Yeah. Especially if one has only seen the Kubrick version, no one actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Ella, you and I recently, well, not recently, about how many months ago did we go to uh, I Like Scary? Like three or four. Okay, so like three or four months ago, you and I went to I Like Scary Movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw the, like, there was a little, like, you could peep into the bedroom. Yeah. There's a little people, and it's like, oh, look through the people. And it was literally... It's the, it's the... It was a mannequin and another mannequin. A dog mannequin, and I was deeply disturbed by it. Yeah. I would be too. At first I thought it was a bear, and I couldn't remember. I was like, when, when is there a... Because it was like the mascot dog, man. So I was like, when is there a bear playing a guy? And she was like... And I was like, oh, that's not a bear, that's a dog, dog no, man. I'm just saying dog, dog man. Mm-mm, no, mm-mm. nope. <laughs> I'm in the corner. Mm-mm. 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 Yeah, I'm in the book. <laughs> um... Uh, the, so the next character, or ghost, I guess, we'll deal with. So we have Horace Derwin. Uh, now we have the woman in 217. Mm-hmm. So in the Kubrick version, um, it's never particularly described. I think in the Kubrick version, she's the most terrifying. Yes. She is straight up nightmare fuel. In uh, both of them, she's I, hashtag I, I think, I think in the Kubrick fuel. one, she's, because they, they make her so wet. Yes. In the yeah. One. They met her like the. She's not even wet. She almost looks like the swamp monster. Like she she's just. A, I'm a swamp hag. Yeah, she's, she's the swamp hag. Perpetual state of squish. Yeah. I gotta keep my nether regions <laughs> in the squish. <laughs> I am a swamp hag. <laughs> I said my piece. Does anyone have any fishes? 
<laughs> I love me some fish heads. Uh, so, it, she's never really given a backstory in the Kubrick version, because nothing is. No. Something Kubrick is just like, backstories yeah, for yeah, pussies. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I like the Stanley Kubrick film, but like talking about it with The Shining, I'm like, this is everything I've trained my brain not to do. <laughs> um, where uh, they differentiate it slightly from the miniseries to the book. Because in the miniseries, it's pretty much the same. So, hold on. I can't remember. In the Obviously, I know in the miniseries, Danny finds bathtub. Yes. Because he gets told by Holleran not to go in the room. Right. Mm-hmm. And Which he does he, because he, hears, he starts seeing shit. He, he starts, starts seeing shit. He starts hearing shit. He's like, what's okay? So he's he's doing it as a way to be like, I'm not scared of you. You're not going to fuck with me. I'm going to go into the scariest room. You're not going to be able to fuck with me. Which, yeah, don't, don't work out so well. Yeah. But no, and I'm trying to remember because I can't remember in the Stanley Kubrick version... That doesn't happen to Danny. It only happens to Jack. No, no Danny to sees it. Danny sees it. Oh, okay. the door's okay. just open. Yeah. He just, he trikes by and there is room. Which. Okay. You That's could, right. Yeah, now I remember that. You could say it, that it drew him to it. Mm-hmm. As it did in the, in the miniseries as well. But Danny doesn't quite know what's going on. He's not scared yeah. when he goes into two Like I said, he, he's unaware of a lot of shit. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they kind of describe in the miniseries where it was this older woman who was a little past her prime, which bothered me because, like, in the miniseries, like, they show her, I'm like, bitch, be hot. Yeah, yeah she, she like, was still smoking. She's, like, our age, like, fucking 30-year-old mm-hmm. lady, like, I'm like, I'm fuck off telling me she's not in her prime. Excuse you. Uh, where in the book, she's, like, 70. Yeah. She's a 70-year-old woman who, uh... Gets a bellhop to pretty much come up with her. The bellhop fucks her and leaves. Okay. Like, the bellhop got a hole and was... Had no interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you're, like, a 70-year-old lady. Yeah. Probably hoping for a nice tip and didn't get it. And was like, alright, fine, bye. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's why she commits suicide. Uh, where, like, in the miniseries, it's... it's Pretty much the same thing, mm-hmm. but bitch still be hot. Yeah. Where in the book it's like, no, she's past any form of pride. Yeah. Like, she's done. Mm-hmm. She ain't got some black spots. The whole thing be moldy. Mm. Yeah. Like, it is not attractive anymore. But regardless, she kills herself, which is the same. She kills herself in the bathtub, which is both the same, and um, it's definitely both more of the idea of um, she's trying to pull any, because the only person that she never goes after is Wendy. So it is definitely a male gaze that she's wanting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I feel like is very interesting for, as we were discussing earlier, King to write. Mm-hmm. Is what do you do if, like, in both versions of the Shining miniseries in the book, uh, she said to, she was once a great beauty, she was married to, like, a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, 
how emotionally do trophy wives deal at 60? Yeah. If, if you've lived your entire life being arm candy. And then now you're past that. Yeah, like what, do you, do you have a purpose? And like, I know it's not particularly described in the book, but she's, it's, it's said vaguely that she's there without her husband once again. Mm. So she's there without her husband. Where's the husband? Mm-hmm. Probably with his secretary or with his assistant or, or just with... mistress in general. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of this idea that she's looking to somehow reclaim some uh, footholding of who she is via being attractive and wanted sexually. And the idea that that urge to be wanted and desired would live on past death if that's all you ever knew. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the hotel takes that and twists it. Well, that's that's a big thing the hotel does everything. Yeah. And it's interesting because in the Kubrick version, when Jack goes in and sees her, she's young and she's beautiful, mm-hmm. and he's instantly turned on by her. Yeah, and she yeah. tries to seduce him, and then it switches. And she I, is, it's it's that way when Jack sees her in the because in the, in book, the mirror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the book and in the miniseries, at one point Jack sees her in the mirror, and she's... Well, in the miniseries, I don't think he ever actually sees her. He yeah. sees her through the curtain, and then he books yeah. it. No, he sees her, and then he sees the slime. That's right. Uh, but in the book, he does see her. Yeah. And then she, like, lays down, and as he goes to open the curtain, then it's, like, the bubbling flesh mm-hmm. and the soap decaying body <laughs> that gross corpse stew that she's yeah. sitting in Blech. um so yeah there's there's that whole thing of what it does to people um and i feel like uh now we really need to get into which i think is going to be the longest part of this one is jack cuz the second part of the film is it's really the decay, yeah, of Jack. Of uh, he can't do anything right. He feels like he's failing. It's the toxic masculinity of yeah. I'm trying to provide for my wife and child, and nothing's going right, and I'm a failure, so I'm angry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So they get there, and it's all going well. And I feel like um. It it starts where Danny falls at some point. Oh, it's uh, with the croquet set. Ah. And Danny slips, and you get that first thing where he gets a little bruise on him. And that's where you go back and you find out at one point Jack had gotten drunk and broken Danny's arm. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the instigation for him not to drink, even though he's fallen off the wagon once, and all these different things. Yeah. Um, so that happens, which immediately puts Wendy on guard. Um. Which, which kind of goes into this idea you were saying earlier. He feels like he is constantly under prosecution. Mm-hmm. And then he thinks he does something good. He finds a wasp nest. And thinks he bug bombs it and brings it to his son. Can I mention something about Jack and the wasp nest for a second? Yeah. So he's re-shingling the roof. Mm-hmm. Sees the wasp nest. Well, he gets stung first before he sees it. No, he sees the little bee, the little wasp one. I mean, he's like, get, 
but get the fuck off. Little bee. Little bee. Don't don't compare the two. Bees are beautiful little Stella. bubbly bees things. Are yes. Darling happy little things and wasps are literally dicks. Yes. Satan's fucking minions. Yes, okay? valid. Bees are adorable, bees are awesome, wasps are Satan. Got it. Well, I'm glad we're all on the same yes. page. Yes. But yeah, so he sees the wasp <laughs> and he's like, get the fuck off. And then he notices, oh shit, there's a wasp nest. I'm just going to not, you know, like, okay. You see wasps buzzing around it. Jack. Why the fuck are you looking at it and reaching to pick it up while there's wasps on it? Uh, he reaches in before he sees yeah. all No, of them. he doesn't. Are you talking about in the miniseries? Yeah, it is true. He he tries to grab it, despite the fact that there's wasps crawling all over it. Yeah, I literally have the note of, Dumb Jack is dumb. Why did you pick up the wasps? I, I can't give you a reason for that. I'm like, in the book, he doesn't see it. Yeah, in the book, but I think he it was has probably no like, yeah, like I I think it was probably like something that I just noted like you kind of noticed as like you're watching it and you're like you're told that act, the guy, he's totally looking at it like he just went oh look wasp nest yeah like what ha, eh. like he, d- no, dumbass and then he bugs it yeah uh, or bug bombs it bug bombs it and then takes it into Danny's room yeah which starts the whole thing in Danny's room. Yeah, where the wasps come back and they do this and they sting him and they come back to life. Well, what got me about the whole point of why he gave it to Danny was, oh, well, my father gave me a wasp nest. It's a thing that a boy needs to have, da-da-da-da-da. Which, you know, being a girl, I'm like, I don't get that at all. Yeah. But I guess it's part of, like, a, sort of a lower level of the masculinity being it's, it's such a It's definitely, um, I, I feel like you get so much of Jack's father in the second act. Yeah. Uh, uh, eventually we'll come into it with the CB radio. Mm. Um, but also, you, you do get the idea at this point, Jack hasn't really been a dad. Not yeah. Really. Um, and they're at this point where they're here... Wendy's in love with him. Wendy's being cute with him. Um, he's he's trying so hard to create these moments that he thinks means something. Yeah. If they don't mean jack shit to Danny. Yeah. There is definitely a there's a barrier between him and Danny. Well, it's also, um, I, I think the fact that, like, it's very much shown, uh, in the second act of the film, that Wendy is aware that Danny can see ghosts. He, he can mm-hmm. see dead people, he can see things, he can predict the future, and Jack refuses. Yeah. So, sorry, if, if you know that your child is a motherfucking mind wizard... She made the joke, that's a note I have, as I call Danny a mind wizard. He is a mind wizard. You know your child is a motherfucking mind wizard who sees ghosts and is psychic. Keyword, sees ghosts. Why didn't they just salt the damn place? All of the salt, and we wouldn't have this ghost problem? It was the 70s. They didn't know any better. Alright. That's my I just, I, that's, yeah, I'm like, I, okay, <laughs> that's cool. Why We're going the, into a haunted hotel? Salt it! That's why the uh, caretaker's apartment's good. Holleran salted it. <laughs> he tried to keep them safe. Mm-hmm. Is that legit or is that our head? No, cannon? that's my head. That's our head. Okay, cannon. that's a good head cannon. I accept. It. Thank you. Um, so you get um, Jack's big thing that kind of drives him is he ends up down in the basement, 
And he starts learning about the hotel. Mm-hmm. So, I have a freaky fact about Jack going into the basement. Mm-hmm. Shoot, 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 shoot. Sir. Stephen King was the third unit director in the miniseries. Hmm. He even did all of the still photographs that you find in the scrapbook. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> anyway, um, he was also, he wrote the teleplay. Yeah. And I believe he was an executive producer yep. as well, yeah. which is why. He was, he was, he was deeply involved because uh, for a very long time, Stephen King hated the Kubrick version, which he's now actually come back and mm-hmm. been like, it's a good movie, it's not a good interpretation of my thing, but he, I'm on the boat with you, King. Yeah. Terrible shit thing, but it does have similarities and does, does need to be discussed. And mm, it's just... I, we'll eventually just yell at what Kubrick did to Shelley Duvall and how they destroyed the character of Wendy. But for now... Um, at this point, I'm just going to call it Kubrick's alternate universe fan fiction. Uh, That's um, what it is. But yeah, Stephen get, hated it. <laughs> yeah, Stephen hated it. Uh, so he, he did quite a bit on the miniseries. Uh, which is also why there are certain things in the miniseries that, I, that the Kubrick film does better because it's a TV miniseries. So yeah. you have... He also was a, uh, he also had a cameo in it. Yes, he does. I know. Can we all guess who it was? He is the band conductor. Yes, ding, ding, ding. Yep, and his, the name of the band conductor is Cage Creed. Hmm. Which, yet another freaky fact. Cage Creed was the name of the little boy, uh, in Pet Cemetery. Thank you! I was sitting there going, like, Cage, 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 Cage. Huh. That child grow up to be Satan. Yep. Just accept that fucking fact. Apparently Cage turned to a band conductor, and I don't want to know what he does with the instruments. <laughs> oh my. They're all great because they're soaked in the blood of virgins. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, Jack starts to look at this stuff. He starts getting obsessed. Mm-hmm. Uh, in not... You get the idea he's writing a story uh, that he wants to write... It's not as, like, hammered into you as the Kubrick version of, like, Jack is writing a story, Jack is writing a story. It's like, yes, he wants to write something. And so, now... if I remember correctly, in, this, in the Stanley Kubrick version, it wasn't a play, it was a... It's a novel. It's a novel, yeah. novel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah in, the, in the novel, in the... In the novel, it's a novel. <laughs> uh, actually, no, it's always a screenplay, and then he turns it into a biography on the hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you start to get these really interesting dialogue choices that I really enjoyed in the miniseries, um, especially the stuff of your son when speaking to Wendy. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, suddenly it's not my son, it's your son. Or not our son. Or our your son, son. It's yeah. your son. Yep. Um, he starts having dialogue where at the time you're not hearing the other hotel, but it sounds very similar to him having conversations with people. And it ultimately culminates in uh, him hearing his father's voice on the CP radio. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which happens at the same time that Danny has snuck off to room. She's 17. 17. Yes. Which is also the hotel trying to keep Jack stationary. Yes. Because Wendy has fallen asleep. Mm-hmm. Jack has now entered the room. Uh, the hotel has to do something to keep Jack where he wants him. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the miniseries and in the book, uh, Danny, not knowing why, keeps hearing a voice saying, take your medicine. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very, very disturbing phrase. And he keeps hearing this, like, Pounding, just pound. It's mm-hmm. a thud mm-hmm. style pounding, um, and on the CB radio, as Jack is starting to lose it, he hears the voice of his father. Now you're you're aware his father was an abusive fucktwat. Yes, um, and he starts just just the rhetoric, the abusive rhetoric, uh, which always freaks me out because I'm like I grew up in an abusive household, so like that's my greatest fear is yeah. to ever abuse my kids. No, I mean, and I can kind of piggyback on that, too, Ella. Yeah. Because, you know, my stepdad was the ex- was basically Jack's dad, mm-hmm. verbatim. Was like, you're a failure, Not, you know, you're always going to fail at what you do, what you're doing so is dumb, you fucked up, and just, yeah, it's very disparaging. It's definitely, you can see, especially with the older generation of men, with this very toxic masculinity of just, you're a man. Be a man. You can't cry. You can't do this. Mm-hmm. Your wife is telling you what to do? Yeah. Show her who's boss. Yeah. And I would even see my dad emulate things my grandfather would say and turn into this angry person. And, you know, it's it's something that is just instilled in men in society. And it's it's so messed up. It yeah. really is. And I think that the big thing is the fact that um, Jack is fighting this. Mm-hmm. Yes. He's, he's trying he's, really he's hard he's to. fighting it's it. very important. So hard where there's a scene where when he's like, you don't want to be like your dad. And he's like, an extra hurting you and, and Danny. That's my worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so you get this idea. And the reason why I brought it up, I brought this up in episode one of our three-parter. Of uh, what would have happened to Jack if he never would have gone to the Overlook? Yeah. And I'm kind of having the girls mull over on this idea until the end of our third episode. Uh, But just the idea that it goes from being such a terrifying idea of Jack being like, I never want to be like my father, uh, to hearing his father's voice and agreeing and I think that that shows what level Jack has lost who he is. Mm-hmm. Well, I think also there's a little sense of him being a lost little boy himself and looking for guidance from his father despite the fact... Well, you get that so much with Grady, too, later on. Yes. He wants guidance because he's lost. And despite the fact that he hates his father, his father would was the authority figure that yeah. he could look up to. And he's now lost the ability to go to AA meetings. He can't mm-hmm. call anyone. Yeah, because yeah, they're completely snowed in now at this point. Yeah, and so he, he doesn't have any option to get words in, so the hotel gives him the most hateful, cruel ones to really that. Well, I feel like the hotel kind of takes it takes advantage of the fact that, like, I think at the first, before you hear um, Jack's dad's voice, he's, I believe he is talking to his sponsor on the CB radio. No, he's not talking to anybody. He just goes in. Because he hears Danny enter. I could have sworn he was talking to somebody on the CB radio. He starts hearing his dad, and he thinks it's somebody else. Okay. But anyway, um, 
I thought so. Like I thought it was a sponsor. But Which it might, it might have, they might have been playing off the voice of it. There is a scene earlier where he's talking to his sponsor on the CB radio. Okay, so maybe that's, that's what, a different scene. Okay, so maybe that's what I'm thinking when I'm kind of push, mushing them together. Um, but I feel like the hotel is kind of taking advantage of that previous scene of like, okay, now you're snowed in. You have no way of talking to anybody. You can't express your feelings of like, oh, I really, you know, I really could have used a drink today, but I was, you know, but hey... I was good, blah, blah, blah. And it's now, like, taking advantage of the fact of, like, okay, who's the worst person in your life? Well, what I think is is so interesting about this scene is so, um, Wendy eventually once runs in, because, like, there's a lot of theories, and Stephen King has yet to confirm or deny the idea that Wendy does have a bit of a shine. Yeah. Especially with Danny. Yep. Um, so they find him, and they find him in room 217, and he's just terrified. And he starts to shake him and shake him and shake him. And eventually Wendy screams. Yeah. Because um, yeah. we'll get into this when we get more into Wendy. About this point is when Wendy is done. Yeah. Uh, and and what I, I love so about Weber's performance is it's a fucking light switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, this light switch goes off and it's, it's Jack. And he's just... Oh my God, Doc, are you okay, Doc? I'm never going to hurt you, Doc. Oh my God, it's the same way like when the wasps happen in the room. Yeah. It's, oh my, like, and these like bruises show up on him because that's the thing. Yeah, you see see the bruise. It's the bruise around the throat. And he's like, Doc, tell her, Doc, Doc, Doc. But he goes from being so angry where you think he might hit Danny again to the moment where, like, Wendy's like, stop, he's bruised. Yeah, let go of him, get away from it him. stops. Yeah. And he just, he drops everything. And he's so, so scared. Not that he's done something wrong, but he's purely scared for his son. Yeah. Well, that also ties into the scene earlier when he finds out that Danny had taken the key mm. to room 17, mm-hmm. or 217. And... He's a he's advancing on Danny, and Danny goes, "Are you gonna hurt me, Daddy?" And you see that change again. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, the first time. Yeah, I remember and you that. see him go, "No, of course not. I'd never hurt." Yeah, because he's like, "Why did you take the key, Danny? Why did you take the key? Why did you like, Daddy? Just, are you gonna hurt me?" Yeah, and then he's just like, he snaps again, or he snaps back to. You get this in this movie where, like, in the Kubrick film, I, I, I honestly like you could have had the first twenty minutes Jack Nicholson throw Danny out a window. Yeah. And I would have been like, okay, I can yeah. see that, yeah. Same. Uh, which, like, it makes for some great, like, atmosphere, because, like, you never, ever think that he gives two shits about his son, which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which, which is great atmosphere. But I'm always going to go back to that, like, slow rise of terror. Uh, there's something so much to be said about um, when he destroys the snowmobiles later on. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's angry at Danny, when he breaks the CV radio, is convinced. Um, when he's downstairs and Danny falls, um, there is so much that this hotel is, is clawing into him. And it's not even so much with Wendy, but it's when there's a certain tone the kid that plays Danny uses where it's like, Daddy... Anytime he does that, it, as, 
far in as the claws are of the hotel. Mm-hmm. They just fall out. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because, and I, you know, this is me getting a little poetic here, but you cannot, it takes so much to get between a genuine parent's love for their child. Mm-hmm. And Jack genuinely loves Danny. He's well, like I, I think I think it's farther than just him loving Danny. I think it's coming from an abusive family yeah. and wanting so desperately for mm. your kid to never view you that way. Yes. And I, I, so I think, like, yeah, like, he does love his kid and everything, but I think it's also so much of him just being like, I'm never going to have Danny be scared of me again. Yeah. I don't want to be like my father. I don't want to be like my father. I don't want to hit my wife. I don't want to do this. Yeah. Because uh, you never, up until we'll get into the third act on Halloween, mm-hmm. which is the most brutal, um, but you, you don't ever see him get brutal with Wendy either. Yeah. No. You never get the idea. You get the idea if he would have ever hit Wendy, Wendy would have fucking shoved a plunger up his ass. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So I noticed another, this is another thing that I kind of noticed just because I look for, like, the cool effects, like, in between, you know, small effects of, like, transitions and mm-hmm. stuff. Normal Jack, clean shaven, hair's a little bit, you know, tussled back. Yeah. When he goes into Crazy Jack? What do you... Jack 2.0? Jack 2.0. When he goes into Jack 2.0, the hair's a little bit messed up, it's a little more curlier... And he's got a five o'clock shadow. Um, I, I actually had a note about that of uh, for being somebody who's who's both dealt with and has dealt with people going through addiction. Um, he looks like he's going through withdrawals. Yes, his his cheeks are sunken in. He's yeah, got when he bad. Comes Jack to point out, he does. Yeah, his he, eyes look a little wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you he, he, he they looks look a little like, glassed over almost. Yes, yeah, he it looks like somebody going through withdrawal. Mm-hmm. And, like, the first time I remember I watched this, I was talking to somebody about it. And they were saying, like, oh, like, what do you think about this or this or this? And I was like, no, I, I mean, his actions make sense. And he was like, what? And I'm like, ever seen somebody going through meth withdrawal? Which I sadly have. But I'm like, they're, they're batshit. Mm-hmm. And it, it can be a completely different person when they're not going through this, but while they're going through this withdrawal, it's this personality. Um, and that's what I find so interesting, is is you start to feel this just crap going through Jack. Yeah. Where there's, like, the part of Jack that gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller throughout the movie, and the part of Jack that the hotel has a hold on, which gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, mm-hmm. I keep getting this visual of a giant Venus flytrap. Just about, eating him. Just slowly, slowly dissolving him and eating him. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I mean, you it's really... It's a good analogy. You really, really do get that. Um, well, like, I mean, like, earlier you kind of mentioned the, the hotel is an entity with tentacles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I kind of see, like, kind of picking back off of the Venus flytrap, I see it as, you know, first it's one tentacle around his leg, mm-hmm. then it's another tentacle, and another one It's just slowly pulling him into the insanity that is yes. the hotel. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. it's basically just a predator praying, playing with its prey. Mm-hmm. It, well, 
It, it wants to, it, its end goal is to get Danny. Yes. Uh, but it doesn't want to scare anybody. Um, which like leads us to like a good transition point of discussing Wendy. Mm-hmm. Um, so throughout the second act, I'd say it's Wendy's least inclusive act. Um, yeah. Mainly because the bitch stays sane. Mm-hmm. Yes. As, as far as Danny's dealing with this and as much as this, like, she keeps her shit together in such a way of dealing with your husband kind of going batty, your son's kind of losing his fucking mind, uh, and she manages to stay pretty goddamn sane. Um, there's a scene that I always, I love the fact that they added into the miniseries, is when she's trying to seduce Jack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... I actually, freaky fact about me. Um, All right, where is this fucking going? Because we just talked about Wendy seducing Jack. I'm like, all right, you and Chris got some real fun role plays going. No, it has nothing to do with Chris and I. This is actually in college, back in the PCC days. Oh my, (laughs) I first met you. Yep. (laughs) Um, I was doing, uh, I was acting in one of the television and radio uh, classrooms productions because mm-hmm. they had to do like they had to do like five minute scenes for yeah. um to record so they could figure out how to use the cameras the editing all that jazz and they look for talent they look, use the talent from uh, all the actors from the theater company and i also was, took the class previous so that's so, like the, the teacher was like oh yeah use her she's a great actress yeah so like they're like okay you're gonna do this scene from the shiny at this point had not seen the stanley kubrick film had not seen the um, miniseries. The miniseries, and was like the book. So you did the seduction scene. I did the seduction scene. So I was wearing like I, you know, like borrowed my mom's green kimono robe, and I yeah. had like I literally was wearing like a dress under it, but I was just wearing the robe and like a little short dress under it. So the yeah. whole time I was just covered up by the robe, and like I would take off the like just one little shoulder like that. Oh, I'm showing you a shoulder. Yeah, yeah it's a shoulder. Oh, and like, I the scene at the time had made absolutely no sense to me because I hadn't seen the film or the read the book or anything. I'm like, okay, I'm seducing this guy, but he's crazy. And he doesn't want. I don't quite understand what is happening in the scene. And then when I finally like saw it in the the um, the mini series, I was like. Oh, this all makes sense now. I did this exact scene and it's making sense now. This is actually kind of cute but creepy. Um, I think I think one of the things I like about that scene is you could put that scene in so many different movies mm-hmm. of uh, a woman attempting to reconnect with like a husband who she's kind of losing. Yeah, it's not necessarily like it's all it's you can almost kind of tell like she she kind of does the whole like. Well, because it's, it's in, not like, like sex kitten. It's it's like, not. It's like I I want to I want to make love with my husband. Yeah, it's it's definitely not like fuck me, daddy, fuck me, pull my hair, I'm your dirty girl. Yeah, yeah, that is not a Stephen King scene I would want to read. <laughs> really? It's called Dolores Claiborne. Ah, uh, I'm not. I have not touched that one. Or the woman that married Tom something. That one's painful. It's, okay. it's, it's about a woman being married to, a ra- like, a rapist. Oh, Jesus Christ. But, yeah, no. I mean, it is very much so, like, we are a married couple, and I would come, like come to be to bed. intimate with you. Mm-hmm. You're my husband. I'm your wife. 
I want to be close to you. But it's also, I think, such an interesting thing about Wendy um, that, that is kind of epitomized in that scene um, is she's so motherfucking understanding. Oh my mm-hmm. god, yes. Uh, when he's, he's talking about how scared he is about stuff. She goes from being like, fuck you, you don't want to come to bed with me, you don't care about me, mm-hmm. the fuck is wrong with you, yeah. to him being like, I don't know what's happening to me, Wendy, I'm scared, like, this and this, and she immediately flips to that moment Jack or Danny is scared. She is so full of love and she, support, in my opinion, is the strongest of all three of them. Well, I think that's the reason why the hotel doesn't even try to go after her. Yeah. Right? Because it knows it has no chance with it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the reason why, like, uh, if, if you look at a lot of stuff when, um, as I was mentioning earlier, she's like the snowmobiles, and then you get Grady telling Jack to destroy the snowmobiles. Uh, you get her making these options. Uh, we should go down the mountain now. Grady's like, no, you can't leave now, sir. What about the party? What about the storm coming? The windows aren't hatched down. You'll lose the hotel. You can't let her make you leave. Yeah. Where uh, you can almost describe it as the, the hotel is at war with Wendy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not even at war with Danny or Jack. It's at war with Wendy. Yeah. It wants to take Danny. It needs to get rid of Jack. It's at war with Wendy. Yeah. Because Wendy's the only one being like, yo, let's fucking do this. Well, she wanted to leave. Like, almost She wants to leave immediately. go like, and things she, got weird. She was like, let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is this is such a big thing we now bring up from the Shelley Duvall one to the miniseries. We've mostly been focusing on the miniseries. Yeah. Is how, uh, like I said, I, I brought this about earlier, in the miniseries, she she's taking no shit. She's yeah. not taking any shit from Danny. When Danny's not talking, she's shaking him. She's like, you're going to fucking talk to me. Mm-hmm. When Jack's acting crazy, she's like, you're acting fucking crazy. Shelley Duvall just... She just looks sad at everything. And it, I feel like it's a very, very interesting interpretation by Kubrick. Yeah. Which Kubrick is notorious for casting women in atrocious ways. Submissive roles. Mm. Um, but I also feel like it, it says something in the idea of a woman that no longer has control. Yeah. Of her environment. Um, which I feel like the stuff, though, in Act 3 of Shelley Duvall's character, while Wendy in the miniseries in the book, in Act 3, what we're leading up to, you're beginning to see the sparks of Wendy in those ones, of her fighting back, of her being like, I'm done. Um, but in currently in Act 2 of it, you get zero of that from Shelley Duvall. Yeah. Uh, which which I feel like makes the third act so uh, powerful. Yeah. Um, I mean, going back to the way that Jack talks to her when he's trying to write. And he's like, when you come in here and you hear chick, 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 that means I'm working. Stay and, the hell away. And then he says, which every time I hear this line, I'm filled with just indignant rage. And he goes, now why don't you start by getting the fuck out of here? Yeah. If my husband spoke to me like that... You wouldn't have a husband anymore. Oh, yeah. I would be in jail for killing him. 
No, you wouldn't be. No, but he would be missing a very important appendage that he's very attached to. No, he'd be dead, but you're not going to jail. <laughs> you're t- we're both Slytherins. That's not happening. I would just Lorena, Lorena bob at him, you know. <laughs> Should I just imagine getting a call at 2 a.m.? Hi, you're on the phone call with both me and Ash. Oh, how much acid do I need? <laughs> Um, I feel like there are two other big things I want to bring up in this part, uh, before we move on to act three. <laughs> so as we've covered everything, Danny's slowly starting to lose it, Jack's starting to lose it, Wendy's starting to lose it. So I was going to say, we're, I want to rewind just a little bit. Go for it. Um, when we're talking about, like, all the different happenings of the hotel. Mm-hmm. We kind of skimmed over. Mm-hmm. Ella's least favorite part. Uh oh. So at first, you know, like I, like again, we first see the hedge animals in the beginning, and I'm like, oh, okay, no. hedge animals. This is a thing. We almost what's gonna made happen? it, Ella. We almost made it. I was like, what's gonna happen? And <laughs> at first, they love me. Well, no, at first I was like, okay, I have questions. What's gonna happen to these damn topiary animals? I like something. I know something happened. Well, because I constantly tell you, I'm terrified of topiary yeah. animals. So I was like, something happens with topiary animals. We I know something happens. This. So every time a topiary animal should like, what's gonna happen? What, what is it? What is it doing? And then like the snow, like the one where the snow would start to come off. I'm like, they're fucking weeping angels. They basically okay? are. You had snow on you. You don't have snow anymore. And then it's and, angrier. And then it gets closer. You're getting closer. And closer. And mm-hmm. angrier. Yeah. And angrier. Mm-hmm. So then at first, I was like, okay, what the fuck happens with these topiary animals? I don't understand. And then literally, like, I remember I sent it both in our, I sent it in our Sanderson chat, and they finally started, you see the scene where they're moving towards Danny when he's playing in the snow. Oh, that's the start of episode three. Oh, that is. That's episode three. No, it's, but, the, it's at the very end. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that one in episode yeah. three, though. But so in, we'll, we'll okay, talk scratch about, that. I didn't say it. No, no, no. It's fine, because you... But that's the thing, is they're so creepy because in, you don't see them yes. fully move. Yeah. In until the, you're not looking at them. Yeah. Exactly. In the book, the scene happens with Danny at first. He's playing in the playground, and I believe he's in, the, like, the playhouse, or he's in the jungle okay. gym. He's in the slide. He's, mm-hmm. He ends up in... And... I'm gonna describe it because this scene is permanently skewed in my <sighs> fucking memory. He's in a tunnel. That's right. He he's digs in himself into a tunnel because he gets scared of the bunny rabbit. Because the bunny rabbit starts to grow claws. That's right. And the idea of a topiary bunny having fucking claws was so, so goddamn unfucking nerving to you me. You told me about that. You told me about the scene in the book. Yeah, I told so, you they, they start coming, but you don't but, get it until you visualize it. Yeah. It's, the way that Stephen King writes it, it's so intense. You don't see anything move at all in that scene. You just hear everything. Because he's in the tunnel, he's And he's terrified. just hearing scratching. He's hearing and growling. And the growling, yeah. when you would hear the, the, so yeah, when you hear the, the scratching and growling when he's in the tunnel in the movie, I was just like... He doesn't nope. get to the tunnel nope. in the movie. Yeah. He he hears it because it's going over the concrete. So uh, the first time you see them move is actually when they're going after Jack. Yes, mm-hmm. in the in the miniseries. In the miniseries, they're going after Jack, which I actually really like because Jack shrugs it off. He just thinks that he's just sort of he tired. thinks he's he, he yeah he's like no I'm tired I'm <laughs> well, seeing I, shit. I, I feel like that's such an important part though. Right, that's right. Because um, it's and, when he's he's. 
not plowing the snow, but he's like he's digging. Yeah, he's digging yeah. the snow, like kind of leveling but, but it out. What what level of insanity do you need to have to fucking see topiary animals motherfucking move? Yeah, and be like, no, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. You know, I I will say I've been in the snow a couple of times. I didn't grow up in a place where it snowed, obviously. But when you're in the snow and there's all that white, it does mess with your vision. And you do see things move a little bit. You'll see... It scratches him. It scratches through his fucking pant leg. That's true. That's true. No. But... No. By this point... Uh-uh. He's in such... I mean, denial ain't just a river in Egypt. It's scary. I don't like it. I don't like it either. I don't Neither like do it. I. Now that I know what happens, I'd like to... No. I mean, okay. just... If you ever okay. want to so, creep yourself out, read okay. the chapter of the book. Okay. So, off that topic now... Um, there was an effect that I thought was really cool in the miniseries that I want to talk about. Okay. Anything other than topiary animals? It does nothing. It has nothing to do with the topiary animals. Um, in the scene in the basement when Jack is kind of looking through everything and he sees the scrapbook, yeah. and he's kind of looking at the different stories of what happened in the Overlook Hotel. Are you hearing the sounds? You're, well, no, not that. You're, um, and you see, like, it shows you kind of like the different storylines as he's reading through yeah. the articles. The one with the gang, the gang fight. <clears throat> Yeah, where you just see the shadow? No, no, it's like, and it's, you see the, you know, the two guys they're shooting or whatever. There's like, I can't remember, like, what scene Oh, the guy comes out from below the cart. Yeah, like, there's two guys, one guy comes out from below the cart, another guy comes out from one of the rooms, and they're shooting at a guy. before in the the, Yeah, in the room. Um, one thing that I thought was really cool about that, that entire scene was the entire scene was shot in black and white. Yeah. But the gun blasts were the only thing that were in color, and every oh, time... I noticed it, that, too. Every time mm-hmm. it, like, blinked on, like, something, like, it's wherever it was projected. It was color. It was color. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. They do a really cool job with that. They do a really cool job with that. They also do, uh, if you notice, they do that with the camera flash for the New Year's party. Mm, that's true. I didn't notice it at the New Year's when party. When it's the New Year's party and they flash it, you get a quick glimpse of color. On, like, the party goers. You know, for hmm. a 1997 miniseries, that is pretty... That's a pretty, pretty cool effect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which, just a little side, not even that important, but the version I found was recorded legitimately off the TV. Oh, you're saying 19- you got 1997, like, commercials. Uh, commercials. <laughs> From New Hampshire. Oh, okay. So, I know exactly where to get a 1997 Corolla in New Hampshire in 1997. <laughs> that sounds. Um, there were trailers for Con Air. Like I was. Oh, oh god. my god! Wow. <laughs> Back when Zyrtec was a prescription drug only. Aww. Yeah. Days. The good old days. But yeah. Back to the subject. <laughs> um, I feel like the last thing we need to bring up before we can kind of finish uh, the middle of it because we, we've brought up. Jack going batshit. Mm-hmm. We brought up Wendy doing this. We brought up Danny just being fucked. Mm. Uh, we brought up the topiary animals. Thanks, Ashy. Hey, you know what? I'm sleeping to. in a bed next to you tonight. Enjoy being woken up in a chokehold. <laughs> um, is Hollerant. So at this point, Danny's starting to get scared. And Danny is in Denver, fucking Colorado. Or not even Denver, farther up than Denver. He's up in the mountains. And he manages to blast Dick Holleran in Florida hard enough to knock him out of his chair and give him a bloody nose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's intense. 
Also, that is never shown in the mini in the Kubrick movie, and that always pissed me off because randomly Dick Holleran is just like, I knew you were scared. I showed up. And I was always like, I think it shows him in his house or something. No, it just shows him saying, Dick, I'm scared. Oh. It never shows Dick, I believe. Yeah. Oh. Whereas, like, in the miniseries, he calls out to him, like, I think. He's like, Dick, I'm scared. Dick, come help me. And he calls out to, to him three times. Yeah. Because you get to see him go there, then he goes to the hotel, or he goes to the airport, and then he can't get a flight to the next day, and he's, like, doing stuff, and he's like, kid, you gotta relax, you're gonna blow my head off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of leads us up into Dick showing up at the hotel, mm-hmm. and Jack getting his first Jack. <laughs> Product placement, Jack Daniels. Oh. Which I already have bad connotations with, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to have Ashy go through our quick little spiel. If you haven't heard it before, welcome to hearing it again. You can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, please check out our Patreon. We have a bunch of cool rewards for you guys, like stickers, uh, shout-outs in the episode. So please check us out. Q&A parts, little live videos. So please, please, please subscribe to our Patreon and help us out a little bit. Yeah, and um, as always, good, bad, we're the girls with Mike. All right, we'll see you guys tomorrow on All Hallows Eve. We're gonna finish this shit off. It will take us three and a half hours, but we're gonna finish it. Hell yeah.